Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of the IA Cast. All right, I'm here with you, with you guys today with some wonderful folks. We've got Marty Sobo back with us. Hey, y'all. We've got Michael Babcock. Who's that? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's been on the show quite a few times now. Maybe. So, you know. <laughs> and we have Damasi Thomas. The known unknown. <laughs> well, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is going to be a great show today. We're going to have some news and talk about... Uh, a, a topic that uh, came up on a uh, unmute community call, and I thought, you know what, this is something we really haven't talked about much. So I figured we should go ahead and have a discussion. So I guess our first topic of the day is most people don't don't really know who this person is, but to the tech community, we pretty much all do, and that's the uh, the passing away of Kevin Mitnick. Kevin was a uh, hacker in the, I believe, late 80s and 90s, did a lot of, of uh, social lot of engineering. is where he started at. Um, What's that? You know, mess, I see he did a lot of phone freaking back mm -hmm. in the days, what they used to call it, yep. messing around with phone lines. And this is, you know, he started back in the days where when you connected to a computer pre-internet uh, right. over phone lines. So he, mm -hmm. he was very heavily involved in that. Uh, in the late 80s, going through the 90s. Mm -hmm. You know, social engineering, getting into companies. And, you know, they, they wanted to put him in jail. And then um, he started they working did. with companies. Yeah, so he did, like, I think two years uh, in prison. I may have those those the, the amount of time, but he did, a, he did some amount of time in prison uh, once he was caught. And when he got out, as as you were saying, Michael, he started working with company. Now, he was banned from the Internet for like the first two years after he mm -hmm. got out of prison. So he, he, he was not allowed to be on the Internet. But he basically turned himself into what we call today a white hat hacker. Or, Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and started working with companies to help them defend against people doing the sorts of things that he was doing uh, in a malicious way. For him, it was more of just curiosity. You know, it was kind of, I mean, I, I you know, we, we probably all to some extent have poked at things that maybe we shouldn't have, but it was more mm -hmm. curiosity than malicious intent. Um, and he just started helping companies defend against the malicious attacks out there from people that were hacking. Uh, right. So. Right. Super smart guy. Uh, one of the books I first actually heard his whole story reading the book Ghost in the Wires, which is mm -hmm. a pretty good audio book. It is. There's, you know, The Art of Deception, Art of Intrusion, I think is one. There's a, He's written a lot of books. He did. He did. And died fairly young when you think about it. He's 59 when he passed. 59. Which is, you know, I'm about 18 years away from that, so I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm feeling some kind of way about it. It's like, mm -hmm. man, can I get past 59? Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I think, memorable to mention here on the podcast because we wouldn't have a lot of the cybersecurity knowledge and know-how without people like him. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Uh, and honestly, reading his book was kind of in instrumental into leading me down the path of you know, learning more about cybersecurity mm -hmm. uh, just because it was like, again, you have someone who wasn't trying to, you know, steal anything or is just, you know, poking around. Hey, it's kind of like when you walk through a building and you turn a doorknob and hey, this door is actually unlocked. What's in here? Like you don't go right. in there with the intent of, you know, causing any harm, but you're just curious. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, reading Ghost in the Wires for me was an eye-opening experience. Uh, I knew some people that kind of messed around with the phone systems back in the days, but seeing what he was able to do with this social engineering really kind of elevated me to getting into cybersecurity myself. So very instrumental um, right. in, in my career path. Mm -hmm. Marty or Michael, do y'all, uh, was this ever interesting to you guys? Did y'all read any of his books? 
I read Ghost and Wire, and that was my, and I'm pretty sure I read some of the art books, the Art of Intrusion. I, I I think I did. I don't remember, but I will have to go check it out again because, uh, as Demasi had mentioned, he he was a, a very intelligent man for sure, and uh, mm-hmm. was very creative in getting solutions to problems that he had encountered. Yep. Sure. I do want to read its books. I, I haven't gotten around to Ghost in the Wire yet, but I do want to. It's on the list, so definitely got to get around to that. Yep. Well, I mean, he will be missed in the tech community, and, uh, you know, he was on podcast. He was on Leo Laporte's uh, The Screensavers back in, you know, the tech TV days and on different interviews throughout the year. So, uh, you know, it's one of those personalities that uh, was well-known in the community, so. The next rest major piece. Yep. Yep. Rest in peace. So moving on to our next uh, item here, we have some big news that Apple ha- has joined the ranks of WhatsApp, Telegram, and others saying that if certain laws are passed in the UK, uh, removing end to end encryption in messaging applications, that they will remove FaceTime and iMessage from the UK. And so, oh, go ahead. Is this a government thing that they want to remove two-factor authentication, or what, what's not, the not two-factor authentication end-to-end encryption? Oh, end-to-end so, encryption. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I send a message to you or to Demasi on iMessage and WhatsApp and other networks, it's sent by me, encrypted, and then in, unencrypted on your machine, on your phone, or your whatever computer. Right. So nobody in between can catch it. Mm -hmm. Right. But is this a government thing? Yes. So no apps are going to be allowed to have end-to-end encryption within their government? Within the UK, they're trying to basically, a simple way of putting it, I may oversimplify this a little bit, uh, but a simple way of putting it is the UK essentially wants to make it illegal to use encrypted messaging services. Well, let me say that a little differently. They want to make it not necessarily illegal to use uh, encrypted messaging services, but they want a backdoor into those messaging services if they decided they need to, you know, see what we're talking about uh, or, or what some citizens are talking about within the UK. So that's the crux of the issue. Uh, is not necessarily that they want it to be illegal, but they want a backdoor. So if, you know, we're, I don't honestly know, uh, I can pick on a couple of people. Uh, let's say uh, Stephen Scott from the Double Tap podcast, for example, he's in the UK. So if they were to pass this law, it wouldn't necessarily outlaw the usage of encrypted messaging services. But if for some reason they were suspicious of Stephen, they want Apple, Facebook, signal whomever the the service provider that we're using for messaging to give them a way to decrypt Steven's conversations, which by side effect would also decrypt my parts of the conversation as well. Right. So that's what they want. Now it's virtually impossible to make that work in a way that does not really basically break the encryption for everybody. So it, it, it makes it difficult. And what, uh, Facebook and Signal, uh, Facebook with uh, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and Signal with the Signal messaging app have said several months ago is if they pass this law enforcing that they need to have a backdoor, they're just going to pull their apps out of the UK. And it sounds like now Apple has gotten on board with that as well. And for me, one glaring thing that I feel like should make the UK government pause and like really rethink what they're wanting is well you haven't listened to the technologies that have said like you can't really do this in a way that doesn't basically make the encryption pointless uh but when you have facebook signal and apple all agreeing on a thing and their reaction to it is the same that to me is enough to make you stop and rethink what you're trying to do right well the thing that's interesting is at least here in the U.S., I'm not sure about in other countries, but if they're concerned about one particular person or particular persons, you know, they can always come with a wart and access all that information through the carrier and get all that information and be able to look at it. So why don't they just do a similar thing? And that way, 
they have what they want while still having encryption intact for anyone who wants to use any of those services. So the difference here is, so we do have that and they, they have that there and they would be saying that they wouldn't want access to stuff unless they had, you know, lawful, had a warrant or their equivalent in the UK. The difference though is, and we also have a similar issue here in the U S is just the government is not pushing as hard as the UK is right now for this. But in order to, so if they get a warrant to look at my phone, right. And they can get into my phone without, you know, my help, cause I'm not giving you my passcode. Uh, they have a warrant to do that, or they have a warrant to come search my home. They can search my home, right. They, they can force me to turn over a key, um, you know, to unlock a safe or something like that. The problem here though, is that with a encrypted messaging service, there's nothing for Apple or, or Facebook or signal to give the government without mm-hmm. decrypting that message, right? That, that is the problem. So even with a warrant that says, Hey, we want to see the signal conversations that have been had between this UK citizen and that UK citizen. Well, Signal doesn't have the ability to give them that information. The only way for the government or anybody to retrieve that data is to gain access to the person's device where the message has been right. encrypted. And that's what they're wanting is not we want access to your phone, Demasi, so that we can look at what's on your phone. It's we want Signal or we want Facebook or we want Apple to be able to give us access to that messaging conversation without having hands-on access to your device where those messages have been decrypted. And that's where the the technological issues come in, as well as just the general principles of my major problem with this is governments approved that they cannot hold on to data securely. Mm-hmm. So even if any of these companies that run these encrypted messaging services were willing to give or create a means because it's not technologically impossible if they were willing to create the means by which we could de- they could decrypt a message when presented with a lawful subpoena or warrant to access the information well who holds those keys mm-hmm. um, and who's going to protect those keys right it would automatically like if let's just say for example and they haven't done this but let's say for example signal was like well we will Figure out how to make this work so that if you need access to encrypted conversations, we can give that information to you with a with a subpoena. I would stop using Signal instantly because mm-hmm. I don't trust anyone to be able to hold on to those keys properly. Well, and and not just that, it's the carriers can't do anything because it's encrypted. Even in the U.S., carriers cannot do anything about iMessage. They cannot turn over iMessage content that does not go through the carrier. Uh, neither does FaceTime or anything like that, nor does WhatsApp or anything like that. Now, regular SMS text messages, those are all unencrypted. So Yeah, so they um, can hand those over easily. Mm-hmm. So, so they can go to Verizon or AT&T mm-hmm. or, or, you know, O2 in the UK and say, so, hey, we want this person's text messages. So bottom line, if this law passes, everybody in the UK is going to become a green bubble. Yep. And there will be no more WhatsApp in the UK at that mm-hmm. point. Um, mm-hmm. And there will be no more Signal. And I think that Telegram, Telegram. has also mm-hmm. said they're going to pull out as well. And that's pretty much the the, the encrypted messaging mm-hmm. platforms there. I mean, there are some other services out there, but those are the major right. ones. Uh, and again, I feel like if you have companies that in a lot of ways are at odds with each other. I mean, we have Facebook and Apple that are at odds with each other over Apple trying to protect you know, data sharing and, and app tracking across different apps and Facebook is upset because it's, it's affecting their ad business. There's still an agreement that their solution to the UK passing this law would be, we're just going to pull our apps out of the UK. They won't be available there. Again, I feel like that should be a sign that, Hey, we should maybe stop and reconsider what we're trying to do. That should be if, their signal. So, <laughs> if somebody was to purchase an iPhone so would they, and, and this law was to go through, what do they have to do? Have a special operating system where they strip out everything out of no, not at uh, all. Or messages and it just does, all it can do is SMS and nothing else? No, not so, at all. They just yeah, say. I think the only thing they would do is just say that within this region, sort mm-hmm. of like they're, so app developers, when they release an app to the app store, for example, can say it's only available in certain regions like the U.S. or, or you know, Canada or wherever, right? But then how would you text message if you owned an iPhone? So you would still have the messaging app for text messages. So SMS would still work through the messages app because that is the default messaging app on 
an iPhone, mm-hmm. but they would just disable iMessages uh, within and disable FaceTime calls within the region of the UK. Sort of like when they roll out a new feature to iOS, right? And it starts out just being available in the US and then eventually it, it rolls out to other countries. Similar to that is just in this case, they will be reversing that and saying, well, now we're going to roll back and pull out, you know, FaceTime. So FaceTime would not be available to any person inside of the UK. Uh, iMessage would not work as a function within the area of the UK. Text messages would still work, uh, which means you could still send a regular SMS message to someone in the UK from the US. But of course, you would be paying whatever the going rates are for sending international text messages at that point, as opposed to an iMessage. And for like Facebook and uh, Signal, they just make their apps unavailable in the app stores in those regions, mm-hmm. in, in that region. Hmm. Interesting. So it's something to keep in mind. You know, we have a, a WhatsApp group, the iAccessibility Community Group, and there, there's quite a few people from the UK that are in that group. And, you know, we would lose all of those folks in our groups if this happened. So it, it's very, you know, something to keep in mind and keep alert about just so that, you know, if you do have people that you communicate with, you find alternative means of doing so if this if this happens. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. See what's gonna happen there. Be interesting I mean, to see how this all plays it. out. Yeah. 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 For sure. So let's talk about a more positive topic. And uh, you know, let's route ourselves away from uh the the bad news. And <laughs> let's talk about routers. <laughs> This guy's got them today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that one was pretty bad, but I wanted to do it anyway. It, it, uh, it was, but yeah, still, though, yeah. you, you had it. <laughs> specifically, mesh routers. No, just specifically routers. You know, um, I think we all use mesh, right? But, you know, there are people that still don't use mesh routers. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, there, there's still people that are doing like the, the, the old school, you mm-hmm. know, just network extenders, which, mm-hmm. you know, seem very similar to mesh, but are a little different because you're, you're right. not you're, you're not having that working together of two different devices. More mm-hmm. or less, I have a signal. You're going to grab that signal and then boost it out further. But that also has the net effect in the old way of doing it, the way that we used to have to do this uh, before mesh was uh, just trying to extend your network, you do lose some of your Wi-Fi speed that way as well because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, enhancing the signal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what are you folks using for routers? Like what, 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 which, you know, brand are you currently using and, and what do you like? I'm using Euro. So I'm using Eero as well. I have Ubiquiti. What about you, Demasi? What are you using? Yeah, Demasi. using the Ubiquiti Unify now. So I recently, like very recently, like in the past two days, just uh, activated my uh, Ubiquiti Unify setup in the house. Prior to that, I was using Eero uh, for a couple of years. And before that, I was using the Google uh, Wi-Fi mesh system. Now, see, that that actually is kind of a topic I want to start with because, you know, we're talking about three Wi-Fi systems here. Google Wi-Fi, Eero, and Ubiquity. And I really want to kind of compare those because uh, I've also used Google Nest Wi-Fi. I don't know why they call it Nest, but uh, twice. And both times I've used it, I have not been a big fan. So I'm curious, Damasi, what what brought you from Google to to, uh, Eero? Uh, Essentially, I moved... So I rearranged my house um, and moved what was my office room, uh, became my son's room, and I moved the office to the back of the house. Um, and when I made that move, I could not get any of the. So I got the the main Google Wi-Fi point that was connected directly to the modem to come online, but none of the other access points would even show up power on connect. So basically I was like, I'm not, I can't deal with this. I don't have coverage in the house anymore. So I went on Amazon and bought a two pack of heroes. Like screw this. Yeah. And, and I kind of had the same thing happen. I, I had the original Google Wi-Fi in the apartment. It, it worked. And then eventually it just started not being as effective and, and just stopped working. And we, I, 
tried another access point and it just did not have the bandwidth that we wanted. Um, this was several years ago. And so we I went on to Eero, uh, the six, Eero six. And, uh, you know, those worked really well for us. And then uh, those start, whenever we moved, those stopped being as effective. So we tried the Google um, Nest Wi-Fi Pro models, thinking that, hey, those would be pretty good. And we had the same problems in a smaller space. And I'm sure they're probably pretty good for a house with not a lot of apartments around, but these are expensive routers and they just did not perform as expected. So I ended up with the, um, with the, um, Euro six E pros and, and Marty, is that what you have or what euros do you have? <laughs> That's what I have. Okay. Okay. So you, so you two have uh, the newer model of what I was using. So when I bought my Eros, uh, and that was kind of my experience with the Google Wi-Fi, like I would have to re reboot them, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the throughput wasn't spectacular. It was the original um, Google Wi-Fi mesh uh, that I started with. So when I switched over to Eero, at the time that I bought my Eros, the model that just like very fairly recently released the Wi-Fi 6 versions and there was the Eero 6 Plus and the Eero 6 Pros. So I bought the Eero 6 Pros uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one was an additional Ethernet port on the 6 Pros so I can attach uh, for the back office. I could attach a um, Ethernet hub because I, I try to keep my uh, computers wired and then I also have my printer wired to ethernet because i've never had good luck with keeping a printer on wi-fi uh so i had that etherneted up and uh so you guys have the newer models that were released i think maybe a year after i purchased mm -hmm. which are the wi-fi 6e pros uh which are the current uh sort of models that are out right now right uh, and for me i was overall so to be completely transparent, the only reason I bought Aero is because I needed to do something immediately because I had been looking at the Google Wi-Fi. So like, I'm going to replace these with something. And I was in the midst of doing research into different systems. Uh, I was looking at Aero. I knew some people that had Aero. I was looking at the Asus uh, mesh lineup. I had looked at the Netgear Orbi in decided not to go with those for a couple of reasons, mostly because the type of environment that they're good in uh, was was kind of overkill, especially for how much they costed. Uh, I kind of didn't need that set up. But I was, you know, starting to look at ubiquity gear at that time. And then when I made this 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 house move around, like just moving stuff around in the house and the Google Wi-Fi didn't work. It's like, well, got to go buy the Eros because I know they work like they don't give me everything I want. There's some caveats and restrictions some things i already know i'm not going to be happy about but at least my internet will work and at that point that's what i needed uh, so that's what really got me into the eros is like emergency purchase i know this thing works i don't have to do mm -hmm. any more research like i at least it's going to get me what i want and i'm, I'm going to be curious about the, the things that they don't do in a minute but uh I would like to go to Michael and, and so you were using Eero and now you've moved to Ubiquity. Uh, so what, what was it that got you to uh, make the switch? Doug, I blame Doug. It's all Doug's fault. <laughs> 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 so like all of you guys, I actually started with the Google Nest Wi-Fi. Um, and then I went to Eero because Google Nest wasn't big enough for what we were doing, I think is what we – or no, never mind. I have a wife who has a purchasing, thi purchasing things addiction. And so Eero went on sale for a black early Black Friday sale. And we were having issues with Wi-Fi dropping connections, especially for the boys upstairs. And and so we picked up Eero and I don't even, it was an older Eero. It wasn't anything new or second generation. It was, it was an older Eero and we stumbled along with that. And then something happened. I think one of the, the Eero, um, uh, satellite 
pieces went out. And so I was talking to Doug and I'm like, Hey, so what are you doing for Wi-Fi? And he's like, Oh, I've, I've switched ubiquity. I'm doing all ubiquity. And then he sent me crosstalk solutions on YouTube. And, uh, I've been watching crosstalk solutions now since then. And that really made me pull the trigger. And so when we decided to actually purchase a device to upgrade, we went with the Unifi dream router because I, I wanted to get the dreams dream machine, but then I realized that the dream machine didn't actually have Wi-Fi built in and I need to purchase some Wi-Fi access points and the dream machine. I'm sorry. The unified dream router actually had Wi-Fi built in and two POE, by the way, if you don't know what POE is, it is magic uh, power over ethernet. And it also had two non POE ethernet ports. So I had four ethernet ports and then it gave me the flexibility of using a router as well and or i'm sorry using wi-fi as well and if i wanted to i could build on at that point so right now we just have a unified dream router um running our whole house right this second okay so what what is it that you like about the dream router over the eros um so it's fully accessible but Eero is fully accessible as well what I like about it is I can separate my traffic and I don't know if you could do this with Eero. I did not have enough no. patience to go in and do that. But uh, for example, we have a gaming Wi-Fi network. Only the game machines are on that Wi-Fi network. Um, they don't have to worry about my Dropbox downloads and stuff like that because that traffic is separated out of what I'm doing right now. Uh, we are in the process of building an IoT uh, network. I have not built that out yet, but any of my internet-connected devices will be on that network, which means they can't see the machine that I'm running credit cards on. So I don't need to worry about what someone in China is doing with these internet-connected device devices and if they're sniffing for 16-digit followed by four digits and then three digits. Um, so, so that security also helps me uh, feel a little bit more comfortable. And I can also control traffic rules. So if someone wants to play a game, for example, then all I have to do is open a port on that specific network to that specific device. And I don't have to open the port all over my network, uh, which is mm -hmm. kind of super nice. I think with Eero Plus, which is a, their paid, you know, yeah. thing, I think you get a lot of those things, but again, it's a paid thing that you do have to pay for separately. Um, yep. I didn't want to pay for a subscription. That mm -hmm. was the other thing. That is the thing that annoyed me about Eero. And I, mm -hmm. I, some of what you get when you pay for Eero's subscription, um, I, I knew about it going in. There were some things that I wasn't aware of until I had the Eero's. It's like, oh, you can't do this unless you pay for Eero Plus. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I'm a long time network you know, nerd, like I, I used to, you know, I, I am one of those people that in the very early days of Wi-Fi, when I first got internet and got a Wi-Fi, that I was doing the things where you try to extend your network out so it can cover the backyard so you can still, you know, continue to stream your, your video or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, while you're outside. I've done all of that. I've done a lot of network setups uh, over the years. So for me with Eero, and again, my purchasing decision was based off need at the moment, not, you know, having this space and time to, to finish doing research and decide where I wanted to go from the Google, Google Wi-Fi system. But there's some very basic things to me that are very basic networking things uh, that you do not have the ability to do on Eero unless you're willing to give them 10 bucks a month or, or $99 a year. Mm -hmm. And it made me angry. I was angry the entire time I had my Eero's about this. And one thing is uh, dynamic DNS. So being able to point a domain at my internal network for mm -hmm easily accessing say plex uh you know by typing in plex dot you know my domain dot com or something like that and getting there or anything else i wanted to expose over the public internet mm -hmm. uh in a secure way you can't do that on Eero if you're not paying for Eero mm -hmm. pro i've never in my life now this is not possible at all with the google wi-fi i should say that uh but the google wi-fi for me was also a gift uh to be fair about that uh michael babcock sent me his Google Wi-Fi, like, here, try out this mesh. And I was like, hey, sure, man. <laughs> uh, because at the point I had been using, you know, the, the, uh, at the time I was on Xfinity. So I was mm -hmm. using their device and I knew I was going to move away from that at some point. So him sending that to me just, just, you know, pushed me on over into using the mesh. But 
so you couldn't do dynamic DNS with the Google Wi-Fi at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was, you know, somebody gave it to me, so I'm not really super upset about it. And it's also Google, and they do weird stuff, so you kind of expect that. But so for some of the basic things like uh, dynamic DNS not being available on Eero just had me angry the entire time. Mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people it does not matter, and I still would, even though it's not for me personally, I still would recommend Eero as a system to a lot of people because it is a good system and it's reliable mm-hmm. and it works. I very rarely had to reboot mm-hmm. my Eros or I never had to do the thing I had to do with the Google Wi-Fi, which is completely tear the entire network apart and reset everything reset and start it. over. I never had to do that with the Eros. Like that, that is one thing I can say and I'd still recommend them to people that just want to plug something in and use it. It works. It's, it's perfectly fine. For me, is some of those extra capabilities, such as being able to create separate networks. Eero does give you a guest network, so you can have a guest network and then have your your internal network, which is fine. But like Michael, you know, I one I run my business out of my house, so being able to now have Bedrock Innovations on an entirely separate network that means nothing else outside of what belongs to the business is being touched by any of the home devices or any of the other users in the home is important to me. I I like that ability. And in some cases, there are compliance rules that there are things I have not been able to do or um, companies I have not been able to work with because I did not have that network separation uh, in in that way. So that was important for me. And another thing now, Aero does have some, some nice advantages uh, that I don't have with ubiquity. Like I don't have, home kit router support with ubiquity that is not a thing that they have rolled out to any of their lineup of products yet uh that is something that's available with Eero. and what that gives people for anybody listening is if you activate home kit router on your Eros, it is able to tell first off if you're using home kit you're not using home kit it doesn't matter but if you are a HomeKit user, as I am, I'd use all of the Apple Home stuff. Everything has to be HomeKit for me. Turning this on on a router that supports it basically gives you the ability to say for this Wi-Fi plug that is HomeKit compliant, I either, you know, hey, everything can talk to it and it can talk to everything on the network or no wall it off in a way so that it's not able to speak to you know, my television or it's not able to speak to the the, the Macs that are on the network, mm-hmm. but it does have the ability to, or it can't connect to anything outside of the network except for its home base to get its updates, right? So mm-hmm. nobody, if somebody were to hack, you know, Damaris, like I have a lot of Maris uh, smart home stuff, you know, nobody can man in the middle attack me between Maris and their server for me to get updates with HomeKit secure router because the only thing that the plugs and the outlets and stuff and the light bulbs can talk to is the Maris server outside of my network, mm-hmm. which gives you better security without you having to jump through the manual hoops of doing what Michael is doing and what I'm about to do, uh, what I started working on today, which is creating an entirely separate IoT network. Uh, that is a solution I have to take now uh, versus having that HomeKit router support. Um, so. so- does the right. Dream Router not have the as much of the smart home stuff as the Euro? No. Yeah, so it doesn't support HomeKit uh, router. And there's, there's honestly, last time I looked, not a lot of routers that support it. Uh, Euro does, I believe, a couple of other mesh products like the, um, I think the Orbi from Netgear supports mm-hmm. it now. Uh, but it's not a wide, like a lot of HomeKit stuff, unfortunately. Like, there's <laughs> not a lot out there that supports mm-hmm. it. It's kind of like the HomeKit. Uh, secure video there's not a ton of options out there for that right um so unified the unified system uh that i have set up does not have that capability but it does give me the ability to make a separate iot network Mm -hmm. where that stuff is restricted to what it can talk to but i can Mm -hmm. still talk to it across networks using my device so i don't have to you know, go in my phone and switch to the iot network in order to control the light bulb i can still do that from my basic home network but I can restrict the IoT devices from being able to cross over into the home network space and talk to stuff. So if something gets hacked or if something, 
you know, if a light bulb company mm-hmm. gets hacked and, and things like that, they're still restricted to that internal network. So I don't have to worry about any of that. So it seems like it's, and correct me guys if I'm wrong, but it kind of seems like Eero is kind of the Apple, you know, everything just works. You get what you want. You're going to pay more to have it work. But the the Unify uh, line from uh, Ubiquity is kind of like the Android where you could do pretty much anything you want if you customize it enough to do so. I would say that's fairly accurate. The only thing I would I would add in addition to that is if you just want basic setup. Like so when I set this this uh and I do have the same uh dream router that Michael has for the same reasons that it gave me a wireless access point in the router. So I only had to buy and already had a, a previous I uh, already had another Wi Fi access point to go up in the front of the house uh that I had bought previously uh when it was on sale. So uh but setting this up is not very much different than setting up Eero. You have the ability to go beyond the basics that you get with an Eero system. But if you were buying this just because, let's say, there was a nice sale on during Prime Day for the you know Unify uh, Dream Router, you know you plug it in, you connect it to your modem uh, that actually brings the internet into your house, which is going to be the situation for most of us. You open up the app, you go through setup steps just like you would with Eero. And once you're done with that, you're done if that's all you really want mm-hmm. to do. Uh, so I had my network like I got. So my dream router arrived Thursday afternoon. I unplugged everything, connected that up, and I had that set up and running Thursday night before I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only thing I had to add addition to my network was get that access point connected. Mm-hmm. And I did that yesterday uh, before we recorded technically working because I wanted everything up and running so I could tell Mike, hey, I got this stuff working in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I th- setting up the router was really easy, very much like with Eero. And for people who have not used Eero at all, uh, and a lot of these systems are like this. The Google Wi-Fi actually was not really a bad setup process if it connected. Mm-hmm. But you basically download the app, Plug in the device, it will find it, you know, your your phone will find it, you'll connect to it, you put in some basic configuration stuff, what what do you want to name your Wi-Fi network, what's mm-hmm. your Wi-Fi password, and really at that point you're done, like you have a network set up. So it does have an app? Yep, does have an app. Yep. Uh, and one you can't control it in the web. You're not limited to that, that app, which is yeah. That's thing. what I was mm-hmm. about to say. To one thing I do like about Ubiquity that I did not appreciate about Eero and the Google Wi-Fi system and some of the other mesh systems I looked at too is they are app only. Right. Uh, I do like having the app. That's great. And I've been mm-hmm. controlling everything and configuring stuff with the app, but I also like the ability to have a web interface because for me, if something goes wrong, and again, this is probably because I'm old. And I've been messing around with network stuff since 2006. But sometimes if something goes wrong, the only way to get it fixed is to be able to directly connect a wire from one computer to mm-hmm. the router and then get to the web interface and fix it or reset it. Um, and you don't have that ability with an Eero. You don't have that ability with a Google Wi-Fi. Now, do you get, can you set this up? One of the things that I like on the Eero is you do, like, I get notified anytime a new device joins my network. Is that something that you get with the Ubiquity? Yes. You do have that as an option to turn those on. That's fantastic. Um, you don't have yeah. to, but you mm-hmm. can turn them on. My favorite feature about this, me and Tomasi haven't gotten into it yet because he just finally decided to pull the trigger and, I don't know, didn't want I to get price gouged. get this router in stock, man, without having <laughs> the outrageous prices people wanted to charge on Amazon. So, but, and, and for reference, I, I'm sorry, Mike, for cutting you off, but just for people to understand this, this Ubiquity Dream Router retails from Ubiquity for $199. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not an outrageous price for a decent router. I've spent around about the same thing over the years for different routers. Because it was one, a very popular product, two, because of, you know, just logistics and, and, and you know, things like that, still catching the tail end of, of, of uh, things being out of stock and parts not being available. It was out of stock a lot of times on Ubiquity's website. I would go to Amazon. People wanted, you know, 275 289 I'm not going to pay nearly a hundred dollars more than MSRP for something. So that's what that actually is the thing that held me up from getting this for so yeah. long as I was waiting to catch it in stock on Ubiquity's website. But one cool thing that we can do now that he has a router and it's connected is 
he can invite me to remotely manage his network if he would like and vice versa. And all I have to do is log into my UI account, uh, Ubiquity account, and I would see my network, but I'd also see his network as well. And I can go in there and make changes if for some reason he wanted to outsource network management to someone else. Not saying that, that you would, but it's also a good backup solution for if something was to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that's going to happen, but let's say let's say I passed away honestly, and, and not to be morbid. Or let's say you had COVID and you were on your back mm-hmm. for a week and the network was misbehaving, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. I could, you know, if, if you shared access with me, I could connect to your network and solve the problem that Mallory's having with the Xbox, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Instead of her trying to drag Michael out of the bed and get his fevered self to fix the network. And he's like, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> exactly. So Marty, with, with all that you've been hearing, uh, what is, what are your thoughts? Do, does the the dream router sound like something that you know you might look at upgrading to on your next router, or is it, you're you're good with Euro? Um, I like Euro. It works for my needs. I think like anything, there's different tools for different people and what their use cases are. If you want something that you want to mess around a lot with and be able to do different things than the you know dream router might be the way to go but if you want something that you can pretty much take out of the box go through the setup you're not super techie then you probably want to stick with the euro you know and if they have different features inside them too you know like for example some of them have a vpn at the router level so anyone who was within that router on that network everyone would be behind the VPN wall. So if you're looking for something like that, that would be something to think about. I just think that there's different tools for everyone for different reasons, whether you want to like mess around a lot or whether you just need something to set it up and do the job and kind of be done with it. So I went to the Euro because I just want to be able to set it up and be done with it. I don't really care about messing around with it. And I was in a predicament to where... I was still on two Apple base stations and they failed Ooh. finally. And I needed to do something new right away. And the two that I had were from early 2000s. So I just kind of did the research and Euro seemed to be the solid way to go. Easiest way to set up. Didn't need to have a lot of, you know, IT, you know, crazy, you know. You, you didn't have to go get a, a, a networking for dummies book and no mm-hmm. You know exactly stuff exactly yeah. yeah and i do like Eero for that like and again mm-hmm. for a lot of people like that is a that is a benefit I, I like i said and i'll still stand on this you know into the future like i would still recommend Eero for most people there mm-hmm. are other systems out there um like i said i mentioned that i was looking at the asus stuff before i had to just make a quick purchasing decision and i just went with Eero. and i'll tell you one reason that i went with Eero over the asus system which had a lot of the functionality i wanted but looking through forum posts and and a couple of reviews there was a lot of people who were like yeah so i've had to reset the whole thing you know a couple of times since i got it you know this latest update seems to have fixed it but you know i was like nope don't have time for that i do not have time when i'm trying to work or record a podcast Mm -hmm. to be like oh well the network isn't working i gotta reset the entire thing up from scratch right Right. now like i don't have the patience for that i don't have the time for that you know that's time lost for me Mm -hmm. um I do want to point out one thing. Eero now does have the uh, ability, and this is more recent. I want to say like maybe the past, within the past year, they added this ability. Uh, There used to be, you have to be kind of like an Eero um, consultant. And I don't know what was entailed to become one of those in order for you to be able to connect to someone else's system and, and configure it or troubleshoot with them. They now have added the ability for you to invite other people to manage your Eero. I thought so. Uh, as well. So that is a new, that that, that is fairly new. So mm-hmm. they did add that. And I just want to make sure that we got that out there so that we're yeah. giving people the impression that you can't do that with Eero. You now can do that with Eero, mm-hmm. which is, you know, cool. And I actually thought about giving my Eero to my mother. The only reason I'm not, I'm probably going to sell them is, because I would ship them to her in Georgia and they would still be in the box when I got there. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> next year, next year, right? Like whenever I get back to Georgia, like they would still be in that box. And then me being me, I'd be like, well, Monty, these are kind of like three years old now. We should really look at the, the Wi Fi seven version. So <laughs> yeah. 
and you know i've I've been a big fan of the pro ones that I've had. They've worked really well. Uh, this apartment is very challenging for for Wi-Fi just because of the saturation of other networks and that can always play into anything. The two base stations are good enough, but you know there's still some parts that are kind of dead in places, which makes no sense because it's only seven hundred square feet. Um, but just the the composition of the walls and things like that just is terrible on Wi-Fi. So it it really just depends, and you know the even the Google Nest Pro we had two of those, and it was also a six E router, and it just did not do it. So it's really all what works best for you. One of the reasons why I switched to Eero originally, even though it's owned by Amazon, and you know there's always privacy and all those concerns, but the reason why I consider I I picked Eero was because I had heard that when Apple dismantled their airport team, a lot of the uh, engineers went to and created Eero. Yeah. So the, the, the team behind Eero was made up of some Apple engineers originally, mm-hmm. even when they still were, you know, still, you could still purchase a base station mm-hmm. on Apple airport from Apple. Yeah. That, that is one of the reasons that made me look at Eero very mm-hmm. early on in the early days. Um, for me in the Wi-Fi with Eero, now I started out with, with a, a, a two pack system and I did have to buy a third one to get the coverage in the way that I needed it to work. Uh, honestly, three was a little more than I needed, but there's not like a, a halfway point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have bought a cheaper like Eero six, uh, non-pro version the only problem and the reason i did not do this and this is one thing to be aware of when you're buying mesh equipment is unless it doesn't make a difference to you um you want to always buy the same model of what you have when you're adding Mm -hmm. another point because let's say for example uh the aero 6 pro support gigabit uh internet and these regular sixes did not. Well, if I would have added a six to my network, I am now reduced to whatever the fastest speeds that the Aero sixes could handle versus right. what the six pros were capable of doing. Um, another thing for me is I do like to have stuff wired, and I know I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm antiquated in that way, but I do like to have stuff over Ethernet as much as possible. So that was one of the downsides to the Aero system for me is that mm-hmm. there were not there there was one ethernet port that i had to connect to the to the modem from at&t which is who my current internet provider is now and then that left me one additional ethernet port that i could have hardwired one thing into or do what i did which is went out and bought just a a dumb ethernet hub that gave me more ethernet ports mm-hmm. uh because i kind of needed that to happen uh, for Eero in general, though, I still think it is a good system if you just need to plug it in and you don't have any of these concerns. One thing mm-hmm. I did notice that was a little odd to me is I plugged in the Dream Router and it's, it's sitting literally in the exact same place that the, the main Eero base station was sitting for me uh, and connected to the AT&T modem. I had better coverage out of this one router uh, from Unify than wow. I had with the original two Aero setup that I started with. Wow. Like essentially everything in my house. And I, I sort of fully expected that when I hooked up the dream router, the Google nest hub that's in the kitchen was not going to have a good signal. Oh no, it was working just fine. Like, and I was able to see mm-hmm. those details. That's another thing that I kind of like about the, the, the uh, unify system. Uh, the statistics and, and network traffic and all of mm-hmm. that stuff is a lot more accessible. Again, a lot of people don't care about this stuff. But me, if I'm trying to figure out why kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, I can now go look and be like, oh, well, it's because you have been using a lot of Disney Plus. So let's block Disney Plus for a little bit. Right. So you guys do your homework. Yeah. You, you, and you could do that now on uh, on the Eero Plus, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, and again, that's another thing for me. Like, I didn't want to pay mm-hmm. for the Aero Plus service. There's a lot more you can do with profiles and, and right. scheduling and, and parental controls. And there's a lot that you get with that. It's just for me, I'm used to that stuff being, it would be sort of like going out and buying a, this is going to be a very bad analogy and I really shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like going out and you've been using an iPhone for the past 10 years and then you go out and you buy a blind shell, 
right? Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. some things you just cannot do with a blind shell because it's not designed to do that. Makes right. sense. If you know that going into that purchase and you still make the purchase, then you should be fine with it. Right. For me with Eero versus what I was used to prior to that when buying a router at all, um, there are just some things that you had to pay for that I'm used to just being built into mm-hmm. a system. Uh, and, and it, you know, again, I'm subscription fatigue, man. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Just subscription yeah. fatigue. And if you already have one password and, and malware bytes and other stuff, you know, all those come with Eero plus. And if you already have those, then there's no, that's point. not a, that's not a good carrot to dangle mm-hmm. for me. Right. Yeah. Either I already have this service or I don't need that service, mm-hmm. uh, in, in that case, but it's not to say that Eero plus is a bad deal. I right. think for a lot of people, it is, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now auto updates on Eero is great. You also have that with the unify stuff. Uh, ubiquity does have a lineup that I don't know enough about. Uh, and, I didn't choose to buy it because it's more more a I would say direct comparison or direct competitor to Aero and other mesh systems called Amplify, mm-hmm. um, and I'm mentioning it only because you know we have a pretty big listening audience to the IA cast, and if anybody has any experience with that, I would love to hear about it uh, because that is more of a direct competitor product uh, from Ubiquity to Eero where you basically plug it in and configure it with your app and you're done, right? You're not mm-hmm. going to get a lot of this stuff that I wanted with the Unify line. That's why I chose Unify over Amplify because there was just stuff that I wanted that wasn't there. But um, I, I do think going forward for most homes, mesh is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always have the ability to add on. I mean, like I said, I started with a two-pack because that was kind of on sale when I made my purchase and I grabbed those two up. And I added another one when there was a ridiculous sale on for Aero Pro at the time. It was like a hundred and nope. I think I may have paid 98 bucks for it on sale when it was normally like, you know, 198 or something. Uh, and that's how I added my third point. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the features that I, I do like about mesh in general is you can always add on to your network when you get yes. to. So if you move to a bigger space. Or if you notice that there are, you know, kind of dead spots here, I'm not getting coverage in some areas that I would want it in. Maybe financially you make a purchasing decision when you start out, but you're mm-hmm. not stuck with that because you just add another access point and hey, you've extended your network. Yep. Which is not the way the old router systems used to work. Right. It's like, do I buy the Netgear, Nighthawk? You know, 8,600 or 66 is like, well, 66 <laughs> is on sale, but it doesn't have as much coverage as the 8,600. I'm just right. making up numbers uh, for people listening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to, you, you used to have to make that purchasing decision when you bought it. And sometimes yeah. you would overreach just to make sure you had enough. Yeah. And with mesh, you don't have to make those sort of decisions. Yeah. So uh, I, I hate to have to cut it short, but we have a, uh, Today is uh, Taylor Arndt's birthday, so um, everybody. Happy birthday, safe. Taylor! Yeah, it's happy birthday. birthday, Taylor! So um, we're going to go out for her birthday. Um, we have a reservation, but I wanted to see if you guys had any final thoughts before we go ahead and wrap up. Ooh, fancy! He made reservations. This guy was planning. <laughs> it's only the Cheesecake Factory, but it gets really busy. <laughs> uh, no, smart man, smart man, smart deal. Look, I'm, 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 I am not. Uh, what, did, what did Michael say before we started recording? I'm not judging. I'm just sharing my opinion that that was a very smart thing to do to make a reservation. Uh, very smart of you. Yeah, nobody wants to sit around for an hour and a half, two hours waiting for a table. Waiting to get a table, exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Especially on somebody's birthday, you know. Exactly. Like that. You don't want a birthday experience to be terrible. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me, any final thoughts are uh, mesh systems are good. Uh, do your research if you're looking to buy into something new and get what, like Marty said, get what meets your needs. Like don't mm-hmm. buy something because it does a whole bunch of fancy stuff that you're never going to do. I like, don't just don't buy it. Like, you know, buy what works for you. Um so, but I think mesh is the way to go for the majority of people at this point. Um, and on the encryption front, um, if you live in the UK, do whatever it is you can do there. If this is of any importance to you to have your communications be encrypted. Um, I honestly feel like breaking encryption for the sake of law enforcement to have access doesn't benefit is not going to be the benefit that they they try to make it out to be to capturing criminals 
it is just going to harm those of us who really don't necessarily have anything to hide. But I also don't want all of my conversations to just be publicly available to anybody either. Uh, so I do believe in the right to privacy. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Nope. Nope. You're getting close I mean, to your reservation. We've got to wrap this up, Michael. <laughs> wasn't supposed to be a mic drop. Jeez, somebody <laughs> got to say something. Well, um, you know, this has been a great episode. I, and, you know, this all came from uh, a a person that was asking about routers on a unmute community call, I believe, last week so or the week before. So I wanted to have this conversation so people could be better informed as to what routers are good. And I think we've determined Eero or, uh, or the Unify uh, Dream Router. But I would probably stay, stay clear of the Google Nest. I mean, everybody here has had bad luck with those. Yeah, I think I would steer clear of those. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, if you're looking for something, um, if you have a ranch style house, like a, a very flat, mm -hmm. long Open. layout, I've heard a lot of people uh, that have had very good success with the Orbi uh, lineup of stuff in that mm -hmm. space from Netgear. So I've heard very good things about those from people's yep. homes opinions. I trust on such matters, uh, including the great Allison Sheridan from no Silicast. Great. So with all those recommendations in hand, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. But as we typically do, Demasi, do you have a pick for this week and where can people find you online? Yep, I do have a pick. I'm going to pick the uh, Ubiquiti Unified Dream Router as my pick this week uh, because I'm very, very happy with it. I've not been as pleased with a device uh, purchase as much as I have for something that is so basic and necessary inside the home. So that's my pick. Uh, you can find me online. I'm Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E, at unmute.community on Mastodon. And if you need a technology consultant in the IT space, I'm at bedrockinnovations.com. All right. Marty, what is your pick for this week and where can people find you? My pick for the week is an app called Podometer Plus Plus, and it oh, is good a pick. step good counter. It's been recently redesigned, actually, in this year. Um, the developers also, he does a ton of apps. He always puts a ton of great features in, makes them accessible, works with voiceover, all of that good stuff. Um, the new Potometer Plus Plus, you know, has widgets. It works on your watch. It works mm -hmm. on your phone. It's just a great app. So if you're looking for something to track steps, do your workouts, all those kinds of things, it's a great app and it's not even that expensive. So I would check that out. If you want to follow me on Macedon, you can find me at marty at unmute.community. Great. Pick. I've been using that app for at least 10 years. Yeah, me too. Uh, Michael, what about you? What's your pick and where can people find you online? I need to go re-download that app. And my pick is something you maybe can get. Watch OS 10. I am super impressed with Watch OS 10. <laughs> Very nice that you hit the side button now and yes. it opens your freaking control panel yes. or uh, control center. It's about damn time. You can See find what me. I did last night. I guess that was bad. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm now finally running beta on my watch. Uh, it took long enough. You can find me on Mastodon, Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N, at unmute.community. And if you need voiceover work or you are interested in someone to edit your podcast, visit payon.media. Fantastic. And, you know, going back to watchOS 10, uh, Mark Garman actually posted on Twitter that he, he thinks it's a waste of the button to put Control Center there. And I'm like, no, that but that is actually really a good change. I love it. So we're going to have to come back and do another show and talk about beta features yes. and, and things that are coming. Because I, I have thoughts and I'm more on the side of Garman uh, with his opinion. Ooh, than I this will be a good discussion. Guy. Well, I think a lot of people really like the dock because you can put the apps you use the most right in there. And that button's a quick way to access that dock. And so it sounds like they're just eliminating the dock altogether. Oh, it, it's still there. It's the press the crown twice. Yeah, we'll talk about that. On yeah, another we'll, show. We'll, we we will bring this back for you. Yeah, this will be another Michael discussion. Michael does have reser, uh, reservations. Yeah. So um, let's get Michael Doyes's pick, right? Yes. Yeah, so my pick is actually something I was going to pick a TV show, but I'll leave that for next time because I haven't started it yet. Um, but I, I've season one was great, and season two just started last week. But I won't reveal that until next week. 
<laughs> Suspense. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay so tuned. my pick is a SanDisk hard drive or SSD that I purchased on Prime Day, and it's still on sale. So hurry up and go get it if you have not. Eight hundred dollar hard drive going for two sixty nine. It's a SanDisk four terabyte Extreme Pro. It runs at two gigabit uh, two gigabytes a second transfer. It's insanely fast if you're doing YouTube or other podcast content and you need a way to back up your stuff, get it off your hard drive. It's fantastic. It runs very fast. I mean, I 200 gigs copied over there in just about two to three minutes. It was insanely fast. Um, so nice. great drive, great sale on that drive. So uh, even even MKBHD was like, why haven't people? Why why is this still on sale? <laughs> so uh, I found it and and bought it on Prime Day, and it was seventy three percent off. Now it's seventy, so the the sale I think is slipping. So um, really nice, you know, small pocket sized drive. So check that out. If you want to find me online, I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter, Mike Doeys at techopolis.social on Mastodon. You can email me at mikedoeys at iCloud.com. And by next week, it might even have some more app news for you folks. A new app or an old app is becoming new again. So good Stay stuff. Tuned. Yep. We've got all kinds of good news. And hopefully we won't be as rushed that next time. But it's Taylor's birthday, so we will we'll go have fun. And uh you know, tell Taylor happy birthday on Twitter, or if you see her around on the line, you know, let her know. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great podcast. Thank you all for being here. It's been great as usual. And, you know, if you guys have any feedback for us, send us an email at feedback at iacast.net. We'd love to hear from you, and we will see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Happy birthday, Taylor. Yeah, happy birthday, Taylor. Thank you for tuning in to the IA cast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACast Network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network, IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.